Get your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to start. I've got a very important word tonight the Lord has put on my heart. I know that every time we come to church, it's important, always. But there's certain times that uh, some are more timely than others. And I want to share something that the Lord has put on my heart of something that we're fighting against tonight. And this is not just our church. I believe it's our church is in our fellowship. And I can't speak for the other churches around the world, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's there too. But I know it's in ours. So please tonight, uh, let your minds be arrested to listen. I know that you've been praying. I know we're going to hear the word of the Lord. And uh, our kids are going to be good. And Everybody's going to be paying attention, and I really want everybody just to, to really focus in and listen and, uh, and hear God's Spirit, amen, speak to us, because I believe that this is really important. I, I really believe uh, this is another message that can really be prevention, amen. How many like preventive messages? And uh, we can learn in advance before something happens. And I want to I talk tonight, and I'll get into this in a second. I want you to write something down before I give you the title, because I'm going to get to that in a moment. Uh, but just write this. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Okay? Just write that down. The grass is green on the other side of the fence. Something has been in my spirit. Amen? And uh, I almost was going to ask you all to come into these two middle rows so I could focus on you all, but I'm not going to do it, all right? Because mom's way over there. But I, I, I do really want you, I don't want to see anybody talking in anybody's ear tonight. I don't want to see anybody whispering. I want you to be paying attention because I'll call you out if you do. It's, this is a serious message, okay, real serious. So don't make me get that way. Let me stay in the spirit, all right? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Now, we've heard this verse before, but this is very important. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Amen? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness of this age. Meaning there are spiritual entities called demons that are used to manipulate and they're used to, uh, uh, just like angels, are used to protect and used to take uh, good things around. Demons are used to uh, speak lies and manipulate. We know that the devil is called the angel of light. And, he, and he's, he's, the, he's the father of deception. He's the father of, of appearing a certain way and it being something else. And um, I, just, I just have seen some things, not that this is any different than other times in all the years I've been saved, but just recently been seeing some things uh, in our fellowship, in our church, in people, where uh, I, I, we, we came to a realization that there's a spirit, and we always know there's spirits fighting us. But there's a spirit specifically that I really feel very, very strongly. And I've talked to my parents about this. And we had a, 
uh, a meeting together, and we were praying for it, and I thank God for my mother being a mighty prayer warrior and somebody who really spends time in prayer, and that's, that's her, her gift, amen, and she sometimes prays for hours. And there was confirmation there, and I even spoke to Pastor, Pastor Jones, and uh, shared with him what was on my heart, and he agreed 100% that this is a spirit that we need to pray against. And so I will get to that in a minute, but I just want to lay the ground, uh, making us understand that we do have to uh, understand when something's going on above the normal, that we gotta, we got to say, okay, that, that's it. How many have ever been watching something and you can't quite figure it out and then obviously that, that's it, that's it, that's it. And you just see that you put your finger on it and then you can squash it out. You know, it's like, it's like a bad smell. You smell something and you know that bad smell's there but you don't know where it's coming from. You ever been, I've had that in my car before. You ever have that in your car? You get a smell and it's like, where is that smell coming from? And you gotta go figure out where it's coming from and then you gotta get that smell out. You gotta get that thing that's causing the smell out before the smell goes away. It's not gonna go away on its own and it's actually gonna get worse. So God gives us the power to discern and the power to intercede and the power to pray and the power to, to say, God, what is it that's going on? What, what, what's going on in, in, our, in our lives? What's going on in our families? And so I want to I write down this word. I guess I'll just go ahead and say it, and then I'm going I'm to uh, expound on it. But there's a spirit called the spirit of enticement. Okay, the spirit of enticement. I want you to write that down tonight. And it doesn't mean that there's not other spirits battling us. It doesn't mean that there's not other things fighting against us. But by the time I'm done, by the power of the Holy Spirit, hopefully there'll be some clarity with what I'm talking about, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And I believe that this is something that is happening, has been happening, and will continue to happen if we don't fight it, pray against it, and bind it. And I really believe that this word can save your marriage, it can save your finances, it can save your life. Uh, that doesn't mean even necessarily today. It might be three years down the road, this message might come back around to your spirit, and hopefully it'll be there, and, and the Lord will remind you. Remember that? And it'll save you from something. I, I, I'll start off with a story tonight. Pastor told me, you know, that church has been there for 35 years, and I used to always tell our people, you know, what has 30, a church that's 35 years old not seen? Nothing. There's nothing they have not seen in that long of a span of time and he was sharing with me, and it's just kind of confirmed along these lines. He said, we had a time where uh, some people were counting uh, in our church. It was in the beginning. It was, you know, first few years. And uh, they began to find out that, the, that some of the envelopes were being stolen. And, or or an, uh, an empty envelope would come in, and if it didn't have a name, they'd take the money out. And, and I guess at one time there was a very large amount that was given. And, and, and when the giving receipts came, they did not get credit for it. And so they found out that that was happening. And so what happened is pastor did not know about it. And that's one of the, uh, the worst things in the world in church is when you don't know what's something that's going on in your house or in the church or in the family. And so he goes and uh, deals with it and finds out who these guys are. It was two guys and dealt with it. He said, you know, I don't know if he told him they had to leave. I don't know if he's got him out of the ministry. He didn't really be specific on that. But when... When that happened and he dealt with what was going on with the, with the thefts and the offering, he had, obviously, just like we do, he had families there that were, were there for a long time. And when something like that happens, it causes unrest. When, when 
uh, uh, people leave a church for good or, or bad reasons, it causes unrest. If people aren't coming for a while and we don't see them, it causes unrest. And we begin to wonder, I wonder where they're at and I wonder what happened. And these people left. And uh, so this one family in the church comes to pastor. I'm not going to mention their names, obviously, but they're still there today and there are columns in the church. And they said, Pastor, what's going on? And let me tell you something, as a pastor, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear what's going on. We'd love to have a situation brought to our attention that we don't know about so we can tell you or, or you ask a question, hey, yeah, here's the answer. The pastor was happy that they came and asked, you know, what's the deal? What's going on? So he explained to them, and they said, okay. They were about to leave the church. They're, they're, they were headed out the door. But thank God the Spirit of the Lord told them, go talk to pastor and ask him what's going on. He explained to them, and now today, this family and it stayed in the church, and their son married pastor's granddaughter. So because they stayed and did the right thing and figured that situation out, they stayed and have a destiny with their kids that was supposed to happen. Amen? How many believe that? It was supposed to happen. And so the spirit of enticement is a spirit that lures us. It's a spirit that tells me the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And that's not just church. That's not just uh, in, in the church settings. I want you to realize that's in your, in your, in your marriage. That's in your house. Uh, I'm going to put my own family on blast and me more than anything because I'm the head of the home. But several years ago, we, we had a car, it was a good car, and, uh, but it was getting up there in mileage. We still owed some money on it, and I said, man, I think we should go get a new, another car. It wasn't even brand new, but get another car, and trade this one in, and get a new one, and, and get one with less miles and all that. And so I made the decision, and we went one night on a Thursday night, I think it was, and the, the worst thing is it was night. Don't ever buy a car at night, okay? And... It's the car we have today. It's Carla's Nissan. It's a good car. There's nothing wrong with it. But we went over there and traded a car in. But what happened was the car was upside down. Still owed money on it. So when we traded that car in, that amount obviously went to the new loan. And we're going to be paying for that car for a long time. Amen. We still owe on it. And we're upside down on it. And it's a good car. But for several years now, we've been paying on that car because of a, you know what? We need a new car. Because of a decision I made hastily without thinking it through. And before you get all spiritual in here tonight, I know every single one of you has done the same thing some way, <laughs> somehow. Amen? We've all done that some way, somehow, whether big or small, where we have just quickly made a decision and thought, the car I have is perfectly, this one, there's nothing wrong with it, but I need a new one. You, you could be having a great marriage... And, and just like, you know what, this is a great marriage, but I want another one. I, I want a new husband, a new wife. I just, I don't like, you know, I just, I'm bored. Come on, y'all with me? That, that's a spirit of enticement that tells me that what I have is not good enough. And, and sometimes what's, what's right is boring. What's good is boring. You know, it's that whole bad boys mentality. You know, we don't be a bad boy. You got to go out and do bad. And, and you can get to a place in your marriage, in your, 
life, in your walk with God, in your church, or whatever else, where you just all of a sudden think, man, this, there's something better out there. I need to go try this something out. And there's nothing wrong with where you're at. Right? And so the spirit of enticement, the definition of enticement, and I'm going to get to some scriptures in a moment, says the act or practice of alluring or tempting. There's a spirit out there that is alluring us or tempting us to leave the place that we're at, to leave the situation we're in, and to, to go somewhere else. And it's just a spirit that, that does nothing more than that, is allure or tempt. And then it says to incite, to incite, entice or entice to evil. Now, I don't even want you to think tonight that this is just that the devil's enticing us to go do something bad. A lot of times the devil can be enticing us to go do something good, but it's not God. I saw someone put something that was a great word, and it was right in line. It says, is it God or is it good? It can be good, but is it God? And, and only you know that, and that's something that you personally, in your walk with God, have to, have to work out. But when you are trying to walk the will of God in your life, and you're trying to do what God wants, and you're trying to stay on the path of the destiny that the Lord has for you, the devil is always going to come along there and he's going to try to pull you off the path in any way that he can, in any deceptive way, so that you will end up in a different place than you were supposed to go. And it's a spirit of alluring and of enticement. And, and, and you just need to move. You just kind of get, just get bored with, with where you're at or what you have. It's another, the Strong's Hebrew definition says something which draws aside. So it doesn't even have to be something that totally removes you, but it's something that draws you aside. It's something that sidetracks you is what we would say. It gets you off following something that has nothing to, that doesn't need to be followed, and it might not even be a bad thing, but it's taking you off the course that God has you on, that God is taking you on, and, and down the road is a wonderful thing, but all of a sudden you just get in a position where you are weak in your spirit or or you allow that mind game to be played, and all of a sudden you're being enticed to, I just I need a new car, I, just need, I need a new house, I, I need a new job, I need a, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, I guarantee you some people in here who've gone and looked for a new job when the job we had was just fine. And when you went to the new job, you lost it. Or you got there and it got laid off. Or you got there and the business went out. Whatever it is, something happens where you're, you, you moved because something looked good. But you didn't talk to God about it. And so it's important that when we say, I'm going to, uh, I, I'm feeling led. Let's say when we say, I'm feeling led to do something. It's important that you uh, have people involved in that situation, that decision with you. Because if you just do something on your own hastily, you're going to be in trouble. When I came back and Carla and I came back and the girls came back from Costa Rica, I, I, I called my pastor and I said to my pastor, Pastor, I am, am praying and, and I feel like the Lord is dealing with me and I, I'm beginning to feel in my spirit that, that the Lord is wanting us to come back to the United States, that our time is done in Costa Rica. And I said, would you pray with me about that? Would you uh, just, just be in prayer with that? And, and, and I didn't say, hey, Pastor, I'm coming back to the United States. See the difference in the verbiage? I said, Pastor, I'm, I'm feeling this. Would you pray with me? And then when I got a call back 
he began to say, as my leader and as my pastor, I, I feel like this is right. I do believe it's time. And then once he said that, I said, okay, now, pastor, I'm feeling in my spirit a city. And this is the one that I'm feeling. But if you have another city or if you have a city you feel like we should go to or, or, or you have a different direction, then you tell me. I didn't say we're coming back and going to Denton. I involved my pastor in my decisions. And because I involved my pastor in my decisions, he helped me with those things. And then I had his covering and I had his blessing. And the rest is history of what, all that God has done. I'm not going to look at what God hasn't done. I'm not going to look at the times we failed. I'm not going to look at the things that haven't taken place. I'm going to look at the things that God has done compared to the things that God hasn't done. And God has done some great things in this city and in this church in seven years for His glory. Amen. Because we've been under the covering and we've been under God's will and we didn't follow the every enticing spirit to do something different. Now I'm going to make a statement tonight. Our church and our fellowship and what we stand for is boring. It's boring. We don't have fog machines. We don't turn the lights down. We don't have this, you know, a lot of the stuff that lures people today. So in a sense, our fellowship and our church and how we do things is kind of boring. It's just kind of monotonous. We just, we just kind of get people saved and try to disciple them and come to church and build families and build marriages. It's just boring. It's not, it's not nothing exciting about it because we're not every year saying, man, this is the new thing that the Lord is doing. This year, in the Spirit, God's going to do this. And you know, it seems like all the time, people's visions are changing. God's visions never changed. And I mentioned this Sunday morning, just for a few seconds, that you look at something like In-N-Out Burger, to a lot of people, In-N-Out Burger's boring. Because they don't have very many things on the menu. They only have a few things on the menu, and that's what you get. And if you want something more, they say, I'm sorry, we don't have that. So if you want, you know, a triple uh, bacon nader with lots of tomatoes and onion rings and all that stuff, then you got to go somewhere else because we don't serve that here. And it seems like a lot of times people are bored with something that's simple. And the gospel's simple. And our vision is simple. Amen? But if you look back on the fruit of your life and you begin to look and see, man, you know what? There might be something alluring me away to something else. But there's something solid where I'm at. There's something that's going on where I'm at that's good. And if, if and when somebody feels led to go someplace else or leave, then church, there's a good way to do that. Okay, there's a right way to do that. And I'm just going to interject that. I probably need to preach one of these days on whole message on the right way to leave a church. Just... This is what you should do to do it right. Because we don't see that very much. And you don't just text your boss and say, I'm not coming back. You have to give it two weeks. And, and if you have any kind of position in your job, you, you go in there and you say, hey, I'm, I'm giving my two weeks and I'm, you need me to train somebody. And the reason you do that is when you leave a job, unless you hit the lottery, you got to go to another job. And the next job you go to is going to look at your references. And they're going to look at whether you quit or got fired or how you left. And a lot of how you leave has to do with where you're going and where you're going to be accepted in the next position. And it's really no different in church. 
although we don't have the things set up that way nowadays, because I, I, I said that's kind of old-fashioned now. No one has the, the letter anymore or the envelope anymore. Or someone comes in and says, hey, you're new here. You know, you're visiting. Do you have a letter from your pastor? Right. We'd like to know if, you, if your letter, you, know, you got sent off by your church. And, and if God, God calls people to leave. God calls people to go someplace else. That happens. But you go and you say, can I get the blessing of the house? Can I get prayed over? Can you, can you pray over me so that our next, you know, our next endeavor goes the right way? Can you, can you help us um, you know, stand with us so that we don't leave under some kind of wrong direction or wrong attitude? And there's a way to do that. So if you ever here decide that the Lord is leading you someplace else, do it the right way. Because when you don't do it the right way, you cause everybody else in the church to wonder, huh, I wonder where so-and-so's at. And then if you come ask me where so-and-so's at, I say, I wonder too. Because I don't know. I would love to tell you where so-and-so's at, but they didn't tell me. And they just left. And if they did, they didn't give much of an answer. Because I believe when someone leaves a church, you should say, hey, there's either one or two reasons to leave. Something's wrong, or God's calling you away. Okay? Something's wrong, or God's calling away. So if something's wrong, I believe that you should co- go to the church and say, you know what? These are some things I don't agree with. And let us know. And then we're able to at least know because we don't know everything. And then we say, man, we understand that. And if it's something we can fix, if it's something that we didn't notice, if it's something we're doing and we didn't recognize it, then we are going to change it. We're going to fix that. But it might be something that's this doctrinal. It might be something that's wrong that they don't agree with. And say, you know what? This, this is what we stand on. We're not changing that. I'm sorry. So if you're looking for that, then... We can't change that. But if it's something changeable, if it's something we don't even know about, then that person should have the opportunity to say, this, this is the reasons we're leaving. And they might still be leaving, but at least we know how we can prevent that from happening with somebody else. And if it's God, hey, God's calling me away, then it's, Pastor, be involved in this decision with me. Just like I was with mine. Because you've got to think ahead to the next place you're going to go. Okay? But we do know that God doesn't want church hopping. He wants people to ground in. But you know what? We're in a generation that doesn't do that anymore. We're not in a generation that grounds itself. We're in a generation that moves around, looks for the best job, the best career, the best marriage, the best school, the best car, the best everything. And we don't really stick around. If things going gets rough, we just run. And that's what we're trying to be is stable. Trying to be something that doesn't change. Amen. As God doesn't change. So look at James chapter 1. And I really want to show you something this tonight. James chapter 1 in the Old Testament. In just a moment. James chapter 1. My prayer again is that as you're listening to this, something's clicking in your spirit and it's saying, man, I recognize. Can you imagine if you struggled with alcohol? Okay, just an example. You struggle with alcohol, and you've come out of that, and God's delivered you from that. And you're driving down the road one day, and all of a sudden, you just feel like stopping at a liquor store and getting alcohol. Just, just stop. Is that normal? Or is that a spirit that's enticing you to go back to your old ways? Okay? So you recognize that spirit, and you say, why in the world did I have that thought? I have... Was that thought from God? Did God say, hey, stop at the liquor store and get some alcohol? 
No, that's not God. That's a spirit. And so we need to learn to recognize when these spirits are alluring us because crazy things happen. Really, really crazy things happen. And I can tell you tonight, and listen, I, unless the Lord changes my mind, I'm not going to put this on the podcast, but it is going to be recorded because I, I, anybody wants to hear it again or whatever. But sometimes you've got to say some things in-house that don't need to go out, out to public. But, you know, we've had some people leave our, even our fellowship recently, and I really believe that even this spirit is tied to that, that there's something that allures me away because how is it possible that I can stand and say, this is my fellowship. This is the church I belong to. This is my pastor. This is my group. This is, I am in this, I'm in this, and, and nothing in the group changes, yet all of a sudden I, from one day to the next, am allured away to go do something else. What changed there? I don't, I don't know how many times over the years, and this, again, this is not just our church, it's our fellowship and it's churches around the world because the church is a revolving door and, 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 and they're them and we're us, but you've got to be you. You've got to make the decision for yourself who you are, where you're going to be, what's going to be for your family. I've said this uh, many times and I'll say it again. I, I, I know that my daughters are not perfect. They're not, they're not even close to perfect. But when I look at the life that my daughters live, and, and I look at their individual, I'm, I get to say it's because I have the microphone, amen? If you have great kids, praise God, there's a lot of great kids in here, amen? But my daughters have served the Lord all their years, they have not gone, they're not boy crazy, they're not running all over the place, they're not doing crazy things, and I can, I can tie that to the house and to the fellowship that we belong to, because of the, fr- just yesterday, Destiny was FaceTiming with Mallory, which is Pastor uh, Mario's daughter, they're great friends. They can talk about spiritual things. They're in two different states, but they're talking about the same things because we're in the same fellowship and we have the same beliefs and we have the same morals and we have the same things we're standing for. And I don't have to worry about my daughter talking to his daughter because we're on the same page. And there's been something I can look back and I can say, I know, I, I know me and my wife have done our very best to raise our daughters the right way. But our fellowship has been a humongous companion in raising our kids in the ways of the Lord. And so I have to realize that unless a doctrinal thing happens, I'm staying here. I'm not leaving this place. I'm not leaving my, my pastor and my fellowship because I'm not going to be enticed by spirits that tell me that the grass is greener over there. Because how many have ever been enticed that the grass was greener, and when you got over there, you realized it wasn't? Everybody has. In some situation or another, we've been enticed or lured to something else. You know, it's in, in relationships, it's easy as a husband or a wife to be jealous of another husband or wife or think, man, I wish they treated me like that, or I wish those things can go on forever in all kinds of different ways. But then all of a sudden you get in that relationship and you realize, man, this is not what it looked like on TV. <laughs> right? Because it's, because it's not TV, it's real life. And the same problems you ran from are in the next relationship. And the same problems that people run from, from one church to another, are in the same church you're going to that you came from. Because as long as people are in church, there's going to be problems. Told you before that the only time it's holy here is when no one's here. As soon as I walk in the door, it gets unsanctified in here. 
Even if there's nobody else in here and it's dark. Right now, this church is all messed up because we're here. Amen? But we're messed up people working together for a common cause and doing something that's right and something that's going to last. But there's a spirit that wants to pull us away from that. Doesn't want us to appreciate the work and the sacrifice that's been put in or the honor and commitment. Okay? And James 1 tells us that. Verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Temptation of what? Temptation to go on the other side of the fence. Temptation to chase another dream or another relationship or another situation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And let no one say, watch this, when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But watch this. This is the key. But each one is tempted when? When he's drawn away by what? By his own desires. And what's the last word there? And enticed. So nobody makes a wrong decision overnight. That wrong decision comes, unless it's like I said, and it's really not even the case with the car. I, we didn't just, I didn't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to go get another car. I was thinking about it. I should have said, no, you know what? I, I should just wait this out, pay this car off. It, wasn't a one, it was a one-night decision when I bought it, but it wasn't a one-night decision to go. Can you say amen? I'm putting myself on blast. Amen? But there's been times over the years where you see the enemy working, and you, you look back and you say, man, this ain't, this ain't normal. This is not this isn't flesh. This, I mean, this isn't, yeah, this isn't a person. This isn't a thing. This is a spirit. This is a spirit. And we have to learn to, to get mature in the Lord to be able to recognize the spirits. First John 4 says to test the spirits and make sure that they're of God. And so we have to, we have to understand that good, good fruit can't come from a bad tree and bad fruit can't come from a good tree. Okay, and, and, and salt and water can't come out of the same fountain. And so we have to learn to discern. And we do that as a group. But when it really comes down to at the end of the day, it comes down to you and me individually. My family, your family, the decisions you make for your house. And you have to live with those decisions. We all have to live with those decisions that we make. I have to live with that decision to keep paying on that car. Right? Is it okay that I'm throwing our business out there, honey buns? So, how many are following me? Spirit of enticement. Man, what would it be like over there? Hmm. Hmm. I'll just go try it. See, the problem is when you try it, let me give you a word. You're going to like it at the beginning. You're going to like it at the beginning. But you know why? Because it's new. Because it's fresh. Because it shines and it's pretty and it's alluring. If it wasn't alluring, you wouldn't follow it. But once you get over there, here's the problem. Many times people leave a good thing for another thing. I'm not going to say a bad thing, for another thing. And then a lot of times they get over that place and they say, man, it's really not that much better over here. And then they leave that place. And then they're no place. Or... If they left for the wrong way or the wrong spirit or whatever, they get over there and they take that spirit with them to the new place. 
and that new people have to deal with that, and it just never ends. And you get to a place where you just keep hopping and moving and going, and you never have any grounds, you never have any seeds, you never have anything planted, nothing ever lasts, nothing ever stays. Just keep on going on. Amen? Every time we're going to do something serious, something happens, something shows up. It's always a sign. It's always confirmation. Amen. Amen. So each one, let me just read this again. I'm closing. Each one is tempted when he's drawn away by what? By his own desires and enticed. I have to sleep in the bed I make. And I'm responsible myself for those things. Now let's finish in Proverbs chapter 7. This is really the meat of the message. Proverbs chapter 7. I'm going to stand before God one day. You're going to stand before God one day. And we're going to give an account to how we handled life. Amen? And we're going to have to give an account for the casualties that we cause, too. I don't want to cause casualties. Amen? I want to, I want to do things right. Somebody want to do things right. Do things in order. And learn from somebody else's mistake. Learn before, you know, recognize this, this could be something that for you going forward in a week, a month, a year, 10 years, you might say, man, that's the spirit of enticement. This thing's pulling me away. It's alluring me away. And what the devil wants to do, again, is get you off the track of the destiny God has for you and the will of God that he has for you. And he'll use anything. Did you know that several years ago, uh, there was a time when a lot of the pastor's wives in our fellowship asked a lot of us pastors to quit the ministry all at once you know you go through things and it doesn't make the pastor's wives bad it makes us flesh and spirit amen and we've all wanted to quit you realize that that we all want to quit we all want to quit but isn't it funny how we want to quit god but God never quits us. Thank God. Amen. And I remember one time I got home and my wife said, me or the ministry? Me or the ministry? That was a hard, hard thing to hear. But I've always told my wife all these years, if you want me and not the ministry, you're going to have a miserable me. And that might not be fair to her, but she married a call. And she knew that when we got married. And over the years, I guarantee you, there's been guys probably that were more enticing to her that weren't in the ministry. Not that there's anything wrong with me, but the, the, the thought of, amen. I, I didn't mean to say that in any way if there's something out wrong. <laughs> the thought of, a house that she can love God in but not have to be in the ministry because it's hard and I said I can't do that I can't choose you over God and, and, and so then we get to a conference and I'm talking to one of my pastors I'm not going to mention names but several I'm talking to one of my good friends and I said man 
this happened this week. And, you know, we don't want to talk to any old pastor, but it was a close one. I said, man, this happened to me. And he goes, when did that happen? He said, when did that happen? He was, I was like, why are you asking? What, what do you mean, when did it happen? What day? What day did it happen? I told him the day. He said, my wife asked me the same thing. The same day. Then I want to talk to another pastor. And it ended up being four or five pastors. And that same week, the spirit, not the, not the wives, the spirit of the enemy was trying to destroy churches and marriages all at once. And so this is a time where we need to recognize there is an enticing spirit that is pulling people away and causing people to just uproot and just walk away and leave and go somewhere else or do something else and just and, and then think about the consequences later. Because there will be consequences if it's not God. If it's God, it's God. But if it's God, there's an order. And if it's not God, you're going to be in trouble. Amen. Jeff, do we have a microphone close by that works? Anyone? Huh? Anyone? Y'all still here? I'll grab this main one. It's 810. A couple more minutes here. I've been waiting to use this for a while. These things come back. I'm going to read Proverbs 7 just a second. Okay, don't read it yet. Miss Judy, come up here real quick. She... She heard a message I preached a month or two ago. She caught the, a quarter of it, but she got the whole idea and some. And I was preaching about the connection, if you all remember, between the miracle and the house. How people don't connect the miracle and the house. They don't connect what God did in their life with the place it happened. And that night she came up and said something to me, and I want her to share that. I've saved it. I've waited. I didn't know if I was going to use it, but I just want her to quickly share what she shared with me because I believe it's going to help somebody. Praise God. Ooh, I'm loud. <laughs> I can talk without, without this. Okay. Um, that night I came, I always come in about when he's just finishing the message because I have to work and I have to, as soon as I finish work, I try to run here. Sometimes I don't make it on time. So when he was preaching that message, I remembered um, when I was in Kenya years ago, it's over 11 years ago, when I was working towards coming to the States, my mom told me to go and live with my aunt. She used to go to the Assemblies of God Church, not that there's anything wrong with that church. So she introduced me to the church. It was a great church. I loved my pastor. We loved going there. But something happened with the church. So I, got, I mean, I came to the church. I got involved. I was in the kids' ministry. I loved my pastor. I loved my church. And I, I mean, I just got plugged in right in. So something happened with the leadership. And uh, she decided to leave the church. Her and a lot of the leaders, they decided to leave the church. So since I was living with her, she came home and said, okay, now, Judy, you know we've left the church, and you live with us, so you're going to have to leave the church and follow us. I said, uh, why am I having to leave the church? Because we don't go there anymore. Um, I told her, you know, with all due respect, I appreciate you, you know, letting me stay in your house. But I love my pastor. I love my church. I respect my pastor. And I have no problem with my pastor or my church, and I have a ministry that I'm working with. So I w I'm just asking you to just let me stay here and go to my church. I'm sorry, I don't see any reason why I should leave my church. So while I'm staying with her, every night she would sit there with her husband, and they would just talk all these evil things about my pastor. I did not want to hear it. I mean, we were sitting in the living room. I could not leave the room. We didn't have an extra room where I could go and, like, not listen. And, you know, out of respect, I wouldn't put my hands in my ears. So I would hear them talk all these bad things about my pastor. 
it hurt me so bad. I mean, I never went to my pastor to tell him about it. I was just saying, oh, God, please help me. So whenever they would go to bed, I would just go to sleep, and I would just cry about it and pray about it. So I never left the church, but they just, and after that, I don't know if I told pastor this, they started mistreating me because I am not going to the same church they're going to. So um, years later, just to uh, forward the story, Right now, my aunt, she is not married to her husband. I mean, a lot of things happened after they left the church. A lot of bad things to her family. And it's so funny because I was okay. But things were happening. She was losing her job. Her husband couldn't keep a job. The kids kept getting sick. Things just happening, not able to pay rent. But I just kept praying, God, please just help us, help us. But they did not realize what had happened. So um, so right now as I'm talking, they're not together. They're divorced. They lost a child. I mean, things have happened. She had all kinds of things happen to her family. So one day I was um, here praying. We had a big family that came to this church. And it was a blessing when they came in. Things just kept happening to this family. I'd say for, it was over 10 people that just came at once. But things kept happening to this family. One day they came, uh, one person out of each family had had a fracture and they all had casts. Samantha had a cast on her leg. She had broken her leg. And um, her husband had surgery on his shoulder. I mean, things were just happening back to back. So one day on altar call, I knelt down and I cried to God. I just cried down there. I said, God, I am crying for this family. They have come to church. They stood here and they said, God, this is why you have sent us. This is where you want us to be. But why is this happening to these people? I cried for them. And at that moment, God reminded me of my aunt. Do you know why this is happening? They pointed their hand or they said something bad about a man of God. And until this family goes back, until they go back to this man of God and uphold and say they're sorry and repent directly to the man of God, God did not show me they need to repent to him. It is the, it's the anointing that God had placed upon their life, their pastor. They said something wrong about their pastor, something really bad. And until they go back, they will never be the same. They will never settle down. They will always wander around. And as now as we speak, they have been to at least two or three churches. I mean, we still see them on Facebook. The core family, which was they are divorced right now. Nothing is together. And every time I see that, I just cry and say, my goodness. And I used to talk to Laura about it. I didn't know, you know, I asked Laura, should I go tell pastor to tell them to go and, you know, go and say something to the pastor to whom they said something wrong about. But I don't know. So I shared that with the pastor. But what am, why am I sharing this? I'm just saying over the years I have learned there is a reason there is a pastor in your life. There is a reason you are in a church with a leadership. And I posted on Facebook, an an anointing that you dishonor will never bless you. So you're sitting here, pastor is standing here, and he's preaching and he's speaking word upon your life. He is speaking, speaking under an anointing. There is a human part of him, and there is an anointing. He has a calling. And unless you respect the anointing through which he is speaking, that blessing will never be yours. So that's what happened to my family. I mean, my aunt, they disrespected the man of God, and up to today. Their life is not the same. And until she goes back, God has already told me it will never be the same. So, until, I mean, that's why I shared. I just said, you have got to, rest. if you have to leave the church, this is just my, this is what I have learned over the years. If a day comes where I feel I have to leave the church, and pastor has said, go, he's not going to tie you down and tell you to stay in the church. No, just tell me, hey, pastor, we, disag- we agree to disagree here. 
get your blessings and leave. But the last thing you want to do is say something bad about the man of God. Because he is God's representation here in this building. And that's why we gather here as a church. So I would just urge you, respect the anointing. If you have to leave, leave with the blessings. He says that all the time. Um, so, uh, okay, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. So one last verse in Proverbs 7, if you'll go there. Very powerful chapter. And many of you have heard this, this story before. There's a key word here, and I, I don't want to read the whole thing, but it starts off in the beginning of the chapter about talking about listening to my words and, and uh, keeping the laws, the apple of your eye, bind them on your fingers, write them on your heart, and he's just saying all this stuff about just keep the word in you, keep, keep doing the right thing. And then all of a sudden, at 6, it says, there's, look at the window of my house, I look through a lattice, and I saw, watch this, I saw among the simple, I saw among the simple, that's one of the biggest people the devil attacks is simple people, people whose hearts are pure, people are trying to do the right thing, he's going to go after them, because again, I want to remind you, he doesn't have to go after wicked people, he doesn't have to go after people who are lost, he doesn't have to go after people who are already bad. He doesn't have to go after people who gossip. He doesn't have to go after people who are jealous. He goes after people who are simple. Why? Because he wants trophies. He can't defeat Jesus. He cannot defeat God, so he wants trophies. Think about it. He cannot defeat God. He knows he cannot defeat God. But something in his twisted, demonic mind says, I can't beat him, but I'm going to take what is his. I'm going to take a trophy from him. I'm going to take that person that he died for and I'm going to mess him up. I'm going to go after the simple. So if you're here tonight and your heart is pure and you love God and you want to serve God, you are a target. You are a target. And if you wonder, why is it that I'm always being attacked? Because your heart's right. How many times we think, I must be doing something wrong. No, you're doing everything right. That's why he's going after you because he wants the simple. He says, I perceived among the youths a man devoid of understanding. New converts are in that place. They don't know yet. They haven't learned yet. They haven't understood yet. They can be pulled by any old thing. And it goes on to say, I'm going to do this quickly. Passing along the street near her corner, he took the path to her house in the twilight in the evening in the black and dark night. And Listen, this is not a man-woman thing. This is not to pick on the woman or any. This is just a spirit that's re- representing here. And it says, in their meta, in their, in verse 10, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot. And look at this word, a crafty heart. The devil's crafty. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside. At times she was in the open square. Look at this, lurking at every corner. Lurking at every corner. So that demonic spirit of enticement is just waiting patiently to find an area where he can get in. He's just waiting and watching and looking for that day we put our guard down. So I'm always telling you we cannot play games with the hair of the person next to us. We cannot play games and play with the people around us. It's serious business. Amen? It's serious business. And if you don't take it serious, 
the devil will come and knock you upside your head with a two by four and you'll be laying on the ground and you will not know what hits you because you think church is a game because you think this thing is a game but this thing is not a game it's real and you need to take it serious because the bible says the devil is a roaring lying seeking whom he can devour not hurt not mess with devour He has one goal and one goal only, to kill you, to steal from you, and to destroy you. And she goes on, she goes on, I'm paraphrasing, come into my bed, come, look, I've got, I've got it covered with Egyptian linen, and come on, it's pretty over here, it's nice over here, nice, come on, nice, nice, enticing, luring, look, look how pretty this is, and he falls, falls. And again, this is not just a man falling for a woman. That, that's not, don't go there. That's not what this is just about. That happens. This is a spirit alluring somebody away, a simple spirit being allured away of 21 with her enticing speech. She caused him to yield. She caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. We have people every day being seduced by flattering lips of the spirit of the enemy. And that goes a thousand different directions. Don't have time to hit them all tonight. It's not, it's not just one thing. It's many things. But you've got to recognize the Spirit and bind it and rebuke it. And the next time you wake up and all of a sudden you want to go get another job or you want to go get another car or you want to go to get another spouse or you want to go get another church or you want to go get another whatever, you better stop and pray and say, God, am I being enticed? Am I being pulled away from something that's good, that's right, because it's boring, because it's the same every day, because it's simple? You know what? Simple's good. Amen? God's word does not change. You don't add things to it. You don't make things prettier. Come here, look, let's make the gospel pretty. Church is trying to make the gospel pretty. It's not pretty. It's bloody. The gospel's bloody tonight. Jesus gave his life for it. It's bloody. So don't make it pretty. But be real with God and be real with yourself. Amen? The musicians, you can come. We know that in the book of Judges, Samson was enticed, the Bible says. I've been saying this over and over again. It doesn't matter how you, how you, how, how, what you've done if you don't finish. Amen. Samson, man, he was doing all those things right. And, and all these times that woman came to him, he came, for several times he, he did good. He said, no, nah, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Until Judges 16 says she enticed him. Y'all got that word? Spirit of enticement. Alluring away. And how many know that when you've been enticed to do something, once you've done it, it's done. And then you go, man, what did I do? What did I do? And then the problem is, is we're so prideful that we don't go back and make it right. We don't go back and say, you know what? I made a mistake. I did this wrong. I'm sorry. That's the best thing you can do in your marriage is go make it right. Be the better person and say, I'm sorry. I'm going to make this right. I, I, I made a mistake. Own up to your mistakes. Amen? Because, guys, I told, I'm telling you, at the end of the day, it's better to do it now than have no time to do it standing before God. Amen? Keep your hearts pure. As I was talking to my pastor the other day, I called him. Needed some encouragement. 
he said, he, he, as I called him, I realized he had just lost a very key couple in his church. And it just confirmed even more, this is an enticing spirit. This is, this is not something we're, and I'm not, I'm not saying this tonight to take away responsibility from us as a church. We have to continue to do right. We have to continue to preach the gospel. We have to continue to stay pure. We have to continue to be careful where we're walking and all that. I'm not, I'm not take, doing that to, to blame. I'm just telling you, my, my, mom was, my mom was real secure in this when we talked to the day. She says, because, she, you know, she, she's struggled big time. She's the one that's at the door. She's the one that gets all the hugs, right? She gets those hugs, and then all of a sudden those hugs ain't there. It bothers her. Painful. Dad says, I'm going to stop remembering the names. Forget it. <laughs> Amen. Kids, rip your kids out of church. How many times have we heard people say, man, our kids love this church, and then they're gone. Well, what in the heck happened? We're still doing the same thing. We, don't, we still don't have anything special. We just love kids and deal with, we're good with them. But they love the church because God's here. So I'm not taking the responsibility of the church away by saying this. I'm telling you that there's a spirit that lures people away. And then you look at someone, you go, I was talking to Pastor Marshall about this today. He goes, I don't, he said, I'm scratching my head about this one because it don't make no sense. It don't make any sense. You see someone leave a church, been there for a long time and just leave. Just leave. Why? Because the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Take your kids out. Take your teenagers out. Move from your destiny. And listen, when it's God, it's God. I'm not taking away from that. God can move people. But like Judy said, do it in the right line and it'll be God. But when you don't, trouble's stirring. Because you get out of the will of God. And listen, a lot of you that are young in the Lord... We've got always got new families coming in. The church is always a revolving door. These kind of messages are very important. And for many years, I've just just not said anything. The church knows. I just don't say anything. I just, they come and they go and it hurts again and we just take it again. But I'm getting a little bit fed up with the devil. I'm getting a little bit fed up with him just taking people and stealing people and, and robbing people of their, of their destiny. And so I'm going to fight it with the spirit. But our, our, our battle is not flesh and blood. It's spirit. It's principalities. Ceci, that baby in your stomach is a connection to this house. It's a connection to this house. Don't ever forget that. Amen? The, the man of God that God brought in, the healing that came to your stomach was here. Don't let, don't let any enticing spirit lie to you or John in the future and walk away from that. You know, we don't always get a chance to say that stuff. You've got to connect the miracle with the house. Amen? And, and just like Jesus, when he was tempted and didn't sin, you can be tempted to go somewhere else. You can be tempted to get another spouse. You can be te- all that temptation. It's bad, but it ain't God's will, and it's not a sin if you don't give in to it. I told you, I, a month don't go by, I don't think about quitting. I'm tempted to quit all the time, all the time. But I'm not going to give in to that enticing spirit because I know that there are people connected to my life that if I quit, they lose. And you have people this year in 2016 that are tied to your life 
And if you quit, they're not going to get saved. So you got to stay in the fight. And as this year goes on, this is a beginning of the year message, every time that alluring spirit comes, you say, no alluring spirit of, of uh, I just forgot the word, enticing spirit, I bind you. I bind you. Yeah, it does look better over there. Always going to look better on the other side of the fence. Always. Always. Because that's how we are. We have everything and still not be happy. We have the sun shining and it. it could, yeah, it's shining too bright, God. Whatever we, man, whatever we have, we're not happy with it. That's how we are. You turn that down, God. I asked you for sun, but not that much. I mean, that's just, we're so rotten. Amen? But as I was talking to him, he said something that just quickened in my spirit again. And, I, and this, again, I always say this because this is me. He said, I just trusted my pastor. He said, I made it because I always trusted my pastor. I trust my pastor. I don't say that for you to trust me. I can't make you trust me. I, I, I just trust my pastor because I look at his life and the fruit in his life. And a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And a good tree can't bear bad fruit. So I trust the man of God in my life. And if you ever get to the place where you stop trusting, and I'm not saying trust trust what I do. Trust what the word of God says through me and through the church. If we ever stop preaching the truth, leave. Go running. But you better go run somewhere where they're preaching the truth. Amen. Father, I don't know what I said tonight, but hopefully you said something. Hopefully, Lord, this will help our church. Hopefully this will help every future situation where the devil, that rotten devil, will try to lie to us and deceive us and allure us and entice us to leave the will of God for our lives. Satan, we, we rebuke you tonight in Jesus' name. And Lord, we come before you with pure hearts and we ask you tonight, God, to help us. We ask you tonight to speak to us. We ask you tonight, God, to to help us recognize that demonic force of darkness that wants to lie to us. Lord, we pray tonight that, that, that your spirit would anoint this word and, and just bring forth fruit out of it. And God, that we would see amazing miracles in 2016, that we would see amazing marriages, and we would see amazing outreach, and we would see amazing growth as we focus on what you've given us. God, I pray for myself tonight. Don't ever, please, God, allow me to be enticed to walk out of your will. Please help me. I beg you. Give me the wisdom to recognize that demonic spirit. Don't allow me to walk out of the will of God. Father, if you have to kill me, kill me. Don't let me walk out of the will of God. Please. Don't let me do anything that would cause others to stumble. God, let me live a life, Father, that's pure and honest before you so that your name will always be glorified, Father, in everything that we do.